0: Oh, I'm on a little quicker than I expected. So, it's good to be here. Grace to you and peace. From God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So yeah, you'd think it might get easier after 50 years, but it doesn't get all that easier. The uh, scripture today, I don't know if we have it on the board. I guess that's my problem. It's Matthew 11 25 to 30. It's a pretty familiar scripture. And it's interesting that I wasn't aware that it was going to be tied in with communion today. But um, it is tied in with communion every Sunday in Catholic churches because it's that scripture which says you know, come all who are burdened and I'll give you rest take my yoke on you and learn of me I'm humble I'm gentle and you will find rest for your soul so that's where we're at today when I came up with that text it wasn't so much with Father's Day on the mind, but here we are. It is a father-son text, a father-child text. And it begins with the prayer. So maybe we should begin with the prayer. Oh God, thank you, Lord of heaven and earth, for hiding things from the understanding and revealing them to little children. We come to you with a prayer of humble access, realizing that none of us know you except by you and by your Son, Christ Jesus. So cooperate today. We ask to reveal yourself to us. It's not about the revelation that we seek so much as it is about having a lasting and long-standing relationship with you. So we come to you with our loads. We come to take your yoke May we find it easy and may we find our burdens made light as we rest in you. Amen. So that section, if you have your Bibles open and are looking at it, begins with the three words. At that time. And I found the words a little puzzling because I really wasn't clued in till I started looking at it about what was so special about the time. What time was it? Well, I think it could be said that it was a, a heavy load time. It was a heavy load time for Jesus and for his disciples the chapter before he had sent his disciples out on their first independent mission trip he had commissioned them to cast out demons to heal the sick and to preach the kingdom so at that time they were out and about visiting and preaching. And it says that at that time, Jesus was visiting their towns. Their towns being Capernaum, Chorazin, Bethesda. That's where he was. He was at that north end of the Sea of Galilee. I myself as perched on that shore. I felt that synagogue behind me. At that time, John the Baptist's emissaries came from the Macaris prison to say, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we can expect? Or should we look for someone else? Just put yourself in Jesus' shoes for a minute. This was the man who had introduced himself to the world. This was the man who said, look, follow him. He's... He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And you're asking me if I'm the one. The one that seemed to be the strongest voice was wavering, was having some doubts about who he was. So yes, it was a heavy time. These very towns that had given up their sons to be Jesus' disciples, he finds little belief among them. And so he ends up reproaching Capernaum and Chorazin and Bethesda, Bethsaida, which means really house of the fish. It was a port. It was where the fishermen gathered. Out of the 12, probably at least 7 came from those towns. And their little ocean, if you will, because that's kind of what it looks like. Just a tiny little sea. That was Jesus' pulpit. That was his platform. He could reach Hundreds of square miles by boat with those fishermen. He said, You know, Sodom would be better off than you. A city known for wickedness had things been done for Sodom that have been done for you. You know, there was a preacher now gone named Robert Schuller. You probably remember him some anyway. He had a saying that was, When the tough get going, when the tough comes, the tough get going. So Jesus doesn't collapse under this discouragement, if you will. Instead, he pops into this prayer of praise to his papa. Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for these little children. Now, is he really talking about seven-year-olds? No. He's talking about those guys who were out knocking themselves out for him. before he sent them on their trip he said um, the father's eye is, is on the sparrow and you are way more precious than sparrows whoever acknowledges me among people I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. So they were out acknowledging him among people. And here he is in this prayer, keeping his promise. I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. That's really the first thread of this kind of threefold scripture, if you will. The second thread is that the Father and Son cooperate to reveal, to let themselves be known. It took me to another passage that's similar father son passage if you will in John chapter 14 Jesus is departing it is the last supper and he's saying farewell But kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger he says don't worry I'll be back and I will take you where I'm going you know where I'm going. He thought they did. But then my namesake said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now the whole gospel of John, if you will, is about who sent Jesus. And where did he come from? Where does this incredible human being come from and he thought they knew because he had shown them he had revealed it to them and Jesus said Thomas I'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me if you know me you know the father From now on, you do know and you have seen. And then Philip, another one of those guys from Bethsaida, said, Lord, show us the Father. Philip, how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father? and the Father is in me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I don't speak on my own. It's the Father in me who speaks. Believe me, or else believe the works themselves. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Truly, truly, one who believes in me will do what I do and even greater because I'm going to the Father. So whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father is glorified. Now it occurred to me to just maybe take a moment here to ask you on this Father's Day to take the Lord up at his word he says ask me whatever you will and I will do it so just take 30 seconds and bring something to the master for him to do you can tell somebody later you can tell me later or you can tell no one It's just your own deal. Amen. So Jesus shows us the Father, the Kingdom, His works, His miracles. After everything is shown, it's like we still don't really grasp We have Philip stumbling around. We have Thomas stumbling around. Revelation only goes so far. So we might think that we know something here today. We might think that God has shown us a lot. And I trust he has. And I trust he will. But it can be just so much puffed upness. That's not what it's really about. Paul says we know in part. So so much we don't know, so little that we do know. It comes, of course, from First Corinthians thirteen. You know what the driving force of that chapter is. It's love. Paul says that it isn't about what you know. It's not about what you think you know. But it is about love. Three things abide. Three things last. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. So when all else fails, we walk by faith. We walk in hope. We hang on to love. That's what God asks. He asks that from the beginning. It's nothing new. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's where it is. That's what we come back to. Time and time again. And we fail. So many times. I'm sure I'll fail before I get home today. But... Mercy comes again. And it has a way of humbling us and keeping us humble so that we can continue to learn and continue to be seeing things. Paul said, You know, when I was a child, I acted like a child. Yeah, he was petulant, he was cruel. He went after people. But when he had an encounter with Jesus, he says, I gave up my childish ways. So our life with God always begins with revelation, but it ends with love. The third strand we're working with today is about courage. You know, if humility gets us started on the journey, courage is what keeps us going. I peeked at the pastor's series about reconnecting the dry bones and saw that it was alluding to COVID you know we're all coming out of our corners post COVID and I thought it was a good connection because it was trying to connect with our weariness I'm, I'm weary too Working at the Hospital for Special Care. I've seen broken lives thanks to COVID. Not all of them old, some pretty young and healthy and vigorous. And it has done a number on a number of people. but when jesus gives his invitation to come it's it's a little bit counterintuitive because essentially it's an invitation to come and work it's not an invitation to come and sit around working through covid has been easier, I venture, than sitting at home. I have a brother who's been locked up in his own own house with COVID, not getting out or going anywhere. I think it bugged him more than it bugged me to go to work every day. And when you're Working with someone in a tough time. It's amazing how different that makes it. You know, this is a football recruiting season. Maybe some of you were praying for UConn in your time out back there. They need some good players. But, you know, when there's a group of people like that committed... a cause, working together toward it, that's what they will remember. They won't remember, in the end, that they were tired. Or like soldiers who have gone off to battle, that's what they'll remember. They won't remember all the details of the battle. But they'll say we were doing something together. So when we struggle to be champs, when we're yoke fellows, it, it makes for a special time Once upon a time, the USA was a kind of country that said, Bring me your tired. Maybe COVID will bring us back to that. If so, it has served a divine purpose. President Trump had a good slogan make America great again, it's just that his idea of greatness was way off. What is it that makes us great? What makes us great is the Statue of Liberty that invites people to be with us and to achieve their dreams. So there is this paradox that Jesus, when he invites us to rest, is inviting us to work. And it was Jesus who has and had the heaviest load. What burden is greater than showing us the Father? what burden would be greater than for you having to go out and preach to the towns round about here like his disciples were doing? Those are great burdens. He had the greatest burden, but he says, I'll give you rest because you're going to join me in this proposition, this task. I thought of speaking today from Ezekiel, the dry bones, you know, I couldn't get myself around it because as I read through Ezekiel I thought it was doing an injustice to the dry bones to start there. You see when you read through Ezekiel there are at least a dozen desolate years in which the country just falls apart and the Lord tells Ezekiel to whom he gives this scroll and he says now eat this scroll this word that you're going to bring to the people around you and the scroll was sweet but bittersweet when it got to his belly he didn't like it at all it was a horrible word because he was going to have to tell the nation that they were done for so it kind of felt like cheap grace for me to be reconnecting these dry bones for those dozen desolate years There are times of desolation. And God said to Ezekiel in the midst of those times, don't worry. Because I'm going to make your face like flint. Don't worry about all those hard-headed people. Because I'm going to make you more hard-headed than they are. But that's kind of what we're in for. And then, maybe the last irony, if you will, Jesus promises rest. You know the very next thing he did when we move on to the next chapter? He twice tested the Sabbath, and he twice tested people's ideas of what rest was. First, it was the disciples that now mysteriously come back to him from their field work, and they're picking grain in fields. They're gleaning, if you will, and feeding themselves because they were hungry. And immediately the scholars come at him and say, what are they doing? Who do they think they are? This is the Sabbath. You can't work on the Sabbath. And Jesus endorsed it. He said, well, what about David when he robbed the temple of the bread of presents? That was working on the Sabbath. And then he went to the synagogue and there was a person there with a withered hand. I could use a touch in this arm right now, so if you want another prayer to pray for, my withered hand isn't doing so good. And then he healed that man. It could have waited till Monday or Saturday, I mean Sunday. Could have waited. He'd had a withered hand for a long time. But again, he was in their face with a religion that wasn't helping them, it was just laying burdens on them. it's a shame when our religion doesn't help us it's a good thing that Jesus doesn't ignore it that he calls it like he sees it and that he takes it on there are lots and lots and lots of demons for us to cast out these days it's never done because he tells us in the same section of Matthew that, you know, you cast out a demon, and don't you know, he goes off for a while, and then he finds seven more demons, and he'll bring them back, and things will be worse than they were before. So there is lots to do, and so it is with our generation. I want to just finish with two stories. One story speaks about a man named Steve Zhao. Probably don't say it quite right. There must be a proper Chinese pronunciation. Seven, Nine years ago, my son and I drove to JFK Airport to pick up Victoria Zhao. She was coming to this country to be a high school student. She was going to attend East Catholic High School and she was going to live with us. The years went swiftly and we never lost complete touch with Victoria. A week ago this weekend, she asked my wife if she could come by and stay and bring her father. Well, we had never met her father. China is a long way away. We immediately, of course, said, yes, please come. Well, one of the first things that Steve wanted to tell us was that this fall he is enrolled online at Dallas Theological Seminary. That's a very Bible-based kind of fundamentalist seminary that I probably would clash with at points. But it seems like a perfect fit for Steve Zhao, who is trying to capture the essence of Scripture because they will give it to him. It is so amazing that in this day and age, of geopolitical affairs which Ezekiel was full of by the way and so was Jesus time that God Lord of heaven and earth is able to go to China and find someone to educate in the way of the truth and the life I asked them at kitchen table Are you from a Christian background? I didn't think he was. He kind of smiled and he said, Well, essentially in China, we're Buddhist. So, no, there was no Buddhist and communist, of course. There was no Christian background for him. He didn't claim to know any missionaries. There was no one who had preached the word to him. In fact, he had been an entrepreneur. He had taught to the Chinese businessmen of his time the Dale Carnegie course. That was how he made his living. God went to China and found a Dale Carnegie salesman for himself. It'll be interesting three years from now what kind of assignment the Lord has for Steve Zhao. He doesn't show us things for us to hoard them. He shows us things for us to give it away. Lastly, I want to recall an image from some years ago from Nova Scotia where I was traveling. And it was the first up front, close up that I had encountered about an ox pole. It was some county fair. You could get as close as you wanted to to these amazing creatures. Their sleds and their handlers and their yokes. There's so many things I remember about that. I mean, these handcrafted, carved yokes... No. God has them for us. It's got a yoke for you. It's got a yoke for me. It's different. It's been a very different yoke than I ever expected. Brian, I commend you. Next week. Cherish it. For me, it was entirely different than I ever imagined. I think the question I'm asking you is, are you ready? Are you ready for a yoke? Ready to go to work? Ready for more than Sunday morning entertainment? What I remember, maybe primarily in this context, is that those oxen teams, they made a a game out of work. You see, then it's not about who can get away with the most, who can do the least. For years, I worked in equal employment op- opportunity. So often that law would get flipped around in itself and not be about opportunity at all. It would be about somebody is doing less than me. The opportunity to work is there, but no. I don't want to work harder than Joe or Mary. I want the same or more. But no, that ox pull was about, can you give me some more? Can you put a little more on me? Who, who can carry the most? Who can do the most? Do you remember Schindler's List at the end of the movie? They were praising him and patting him on the back for what he had done saving Jewish lives. He said, oh, I didn't do enough. I could have done more. Wish I could have done more. When our time comes to hear our name called, that's we're, we're going to wish that too. <laughs> we're going to wish the opportunities we missed. We're going to weep over what we didn't do. Not about having done too much. Oh God, we just offer you our necks for your yoke. Plug us into your service in ways that are amazing and beautiful. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.